0: Chapter 1, we started the little letter, the epistle to the Galatians, a region in modern-day Turkey. I didn't give you a whole lot of history, but it came from Gaul, G-A-U-L. It was a town in France, and they came down, and that's the Gauls came down to this region in Turkey and started this, these cities in Galatia. That's where it really originates from. The title of our message, Galatians chapter 1 and verses 11 through 24 is Know Why You Believe What You Believe. And I think it's important, God is not just asking us to believe, but he's wanting us to know why we believe what we believe so that when we are challenged with that belief system, when when somebody comes to us and brings us a, a different message, then the truth will ring true and we'll have that conviction of knowing what God has taught us. So let's pray and ask God to go before his word. Father, we thank you for this time in your word and we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. We pray, Father, that you would illuminate and lighten just your word, the path to us that you would have us to be on. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you that you've given us this love letter and pray, Father, that we would see it as that. Uh, It um, convicts, Lord. It um, just ministers to us. It Uh, enlightens, illuminates us, Lord. And so we just ask, Father, that you would open up your word to us this morning as we desire to hear from you. And so bless this time, give us ears to hear and eyes to see what your spirit says to the church this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Am I blocking this at all? I feel like I am. No? Yeah, okay. So Galatians chapter 1, last week we covered verses 1 through 10. I'm blinded momentarily. Let's go ahead and read. Let's stand together. And let's read the whole chapter, 24 verses, to get a context. And so standing would help you to just keep the blood flowing and circulating in all the right places. Galatians chapter 1, starting at verse 1, the Bible says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever amen i marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you In the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men? Or Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the tradition of of my fathers. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter, remained with him fifteen days, but I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now, concerning the things which I write to you, indeed, before God, I do not lie. Afterward, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ, but they were hearing only he who formerly persecuted us, Now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God in me. You can be seated. So as we look at what Paul is doing and where Paul came from, this first chapter in the book of Galatians gives us um, a history Of Paul that we don't have anywhere else and we're going to be looking at that. I'll remind you that there were a group of individuals. They were called Judaizers who were coming into this region of Galatia shortly thereafter. These people had been saved after Paul had preached and, and they had gotten saved the message of the gospel and they were adding to the message that they had received. They were adding to the simplicity of salvation by grace through faith and they were bringing an addition to, or something had to be done in addition to receiving Jesus as the Messiah, receiving Jesus as the Savior. And so anytime that takes place, then it's a different gospel. And Paul says right here that it's a different, and yet it's not another. And the word gospel means good news, and it was not good news that they were bringing this other message. Had Paul not done what he did here in writing this book of Galatians, then what we would have been in Christianity would, we would be another sect of Judaism. We would just be another branch of Judaism. We would, we would be these Christians who fall under Judaism and we would obey the law and have the law as our... As our um, behavior, and we would have all those dietary laws and all those ceremonial laws and all of those, uh, the moral law which we obey now, it's the the third part of the law that we still hold to, right? We still think it's a good idea not to kill and not to lie and all of the, the moral laws within the Old Testament, but we don't have the ceremonial laws or the dietary laws. I've been speaking to a guy at the gym who is a messianic, he goes to a messianic a Christian church and so they still believe that the Old Testament and the laws are in place and so going back and forth and uh, what I told him to do was uh, just email me, email me your questions and I do much better with email and questions because when I'm in front of people I, 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 I think violent things, I want to sock people so I'd rather just uh, just talk to you on email because it's, it's easier for me because when I hear you talking and changing the gospel it just it bothers me. Um, so I don't know, maybe you guys are better at that, I'm just saying. So I don't want to sock people into the kingdom. But So Paul and what he's doing here is he's defending the faith and what I thought about as I was just studying this first chapter was that scripture in Jude, I'll read it to you, it says in Jude verse 3, it's a one chapter book, it says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. And what I see Paul doing here is I see him contending earnestly for the faith. He's fighting for the faith. He knows what he's heard. He's declaring it to us and he's putting it here so that we can have it in this written form. Now, if we go down to where we left off at verse um, 8, we did verses 1 through 10 last week. So I want to look at and remind you of verse 8. He says, But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be a curse. And then he repeats it. As I said before, I'm going to say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel, let him be a curse. Let him be damned. Let him be anathema is the Greek word. And so... That's a pretty serious accusation and that led me back to 1 Kings chapter 13, that responsive reading where we did, a man of God is commissioned by God and he is given a word from God and the word from God is, I want you to go to this place, when you come back, I don't want you to go down the same way when you come back to Bethel, but I want you to take a different route, I don't want you to stop at anyone's home for food food or water. I want you to head straight back. That was the word of the Lord, right? And so he goes to the king, and the king ends up wanting to resurrect all of, or no, no, he goes to, yeah, the king, and he wants to resurrect all of these altars, and he ends up getting leprosy in his hand. He prays, he asks the man of God to pray for him. The man of God prays for him. His hand is restored, and then he says, come to my house and eat. Eat some food with me. I want to, you know, bring you to the to the the palace or whatever. And his response in verses 8 and 10, 8, 9 and 10, he says, but the man of God said to the king, if you were to give me half of your house, I would not go in with you. Nor would I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord saying, you shall not eat bread nor drink water nor return by the same way you came. So he went another way and he did not return by the way uh, he came to Bethel. And so he was given the word of the Lord, he obeys the word of the Lord, and then there's these sons of this other prophet, this other man of God, who is off. The time and the nation of Israel and First Kings, they're just off. They have these kings that aren't seeking the Lord, and they have these prophets that are starting to get into idolatry and worship of things that they shouldn't be getting into. And so he goes, uh, th- this other prophet had some sons who were there. These sons come home and they talk about this man of God who, uh, who had healed the king of this leprosy. And he says, which way did he go? What, what was the direction that he headed in? And he tells, they, the, his sons tell him, they saddle up his donkey. And he goes and he meets the man of God. And then he has this encounter with him. Verse uh, 18, it says, and he said to him, I am too a prophet as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord saying bring him back with you to your house that he may eat bread and drink water and then you have the parentheses but he was lying to him and so he says an angel of the Lord told me the man of God had the word of God he had the word of the Lord but this other prophet was confusing him and he says an angel told me that you're supposed to come back with me and then verses 21 22 we see it at, that the man of god he he goes back with him he eats with him he sits down and then the prophet announces the judgment on this man of god he says and he cried out to the man of god who came to judah saying thus says the lord because you have disobeyed the word of the lord and have not kept the commandment which the lord your god commanded you but you came back ate bread and drank water in the place of which the lord said to you eat no bread and drink no water your corpse shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. And then he would leave, and the lion would pounce on him and kill him and destroy him. And, and the message here, as we're taking Paul, is giving us this warning. But even if we, Paul includes himself, even as me as a prophet, an apostle, I'm sorry, comes to you and gives you a different message than what you've received, or an angel from the Lord gives you a message Then what was originally declared to be the gospel, let him be cursed. Let him be damned. And so, again, with the title of the message, Knowing Why You Believe What You Believe, it's very important that we don't only know what we believe, but why do we believe it? Why do you believe what you believe? And you need to be convinced. There needs to be a conviction, and that conviction needs to be solid in your life because there's always a counterfeit looming on the horizon. There's always somebody that wants to twist and and adulterate the simplicity of God's message of hope to a lost world. Look at verses 11 and 12 with me as we get into this new section. Paul writes, but I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man, for I neither received it from man nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul is very unique in the sense that the message that he received is different than how we, most of us receive the message. Most of us hear somebody preach the gospel. We hear somebody share the truth, that we are sinners in need of a Savior, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, and that's how we can be saved through faith in the finished work of what Jesus Christ has done. Paul, on the other hand, is letting us know the message that I received it didn't come from men. It didn't come from a man. I received it directly from Jesus himself. Remember in verse 1, Paul writes, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. And so even his apostolic authority. Paul is saying, it wasn't because somebody laid hands on me. It wasn't because somebody acknowledged me. My apostleship, my authority came directly from God. Now, for most of us, again, it's not going to be that way. The way we receive the word or salvation is somebody's going to share with us. I'll read you Romans chapter 10, starting at verse 8. The Bible says, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. And so for most of us, for all of us, we hear the preaching of the gospel. Somebody shared the message of the cross. Those glad, the, the good feet of glad tidings were sent to us at one point in our life and we received the message and we responded in the affirmative to it. Paul is differentiated. Paul is saying, I didn't get this from a man. I got this directly from God. And I believe this is the significance. This is why I believe God gave it directly to him. Paul in his zeal for what he was doing for what he thought to be God was arrested on the road to Damascus, knocked off his high horse and blinded for three days and Jesus had to come directly to him because of the pressure that he would get from declaring this message to the world because it would be unbelievable in his time. Take the 613 commandments that are found in the Old Testament. Take the individuals, the religious establishment that was there in the time, obeying it to the letter of the law. And then Paul is going to come and say, that's not really how you can get saved. It's not really through obedience to the law, guys. It's through simply trusting. All you have to do is believe. Now that flies in the face of what was established at the time that Paul is given given this message and then proclaiming this message. Imagine your whole life, you've done all these rules, all these regulations, you had all of these rituals, and then this one guy comes and says, all of that was just pointing to the fact that you couldn't keep it. All of that was just showing that in and of yourself, you can't be perfect. And the way that you can be perfect is by having somebody else be perfect for you. It's a substitutionary righteousness. That wouldn't fly. And so that message had to come directly to God, no, to Paul from God. Otherwise, he wouldn't have believed it if a man had told it to him. And so that's how Paul is saying he received this message Moving on now, notice verse 13. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. Nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. So Paul would be questioned as to, Paul you're not even apostle. You're not an apostle. You, you didn't even... You didn't even grow up with Jesus. Jesus had 12 guys that, for the three and a half years that he was on the earth, he hung out with. Paul, you're not even in that category. And so Paul starts out this letter saying, I am an apostle, but I'm not an apostle from men nor through men, but Jesus Christ and God the Father called me to be an apostle. And then he says, again, as we read in 11 and 12, um... The gospel which I preached, it's not according to men. It came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. And where would that be, Paul, exactly? Well, in Judaism, I was pretty much hardcore. I was pretty much the hardest core of all of them. And I was zealous for my faith. And I thought that I was working for God so hard that God had to arrest me and let me know Actually, Paul, you're working against me, not for me. And in that three days of being blind, there's just, imagine the wheels turning in this guy's life. Lord, who are you if I'm persecuting you? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, Acts chapter 9 would tell us. And just think about all that's going on. And then Paul is letting us know, I didn't go to Jerusalem to meet with the Pillars of the faith, James, the brother of Jesus, and these guys who were the pillars of Christianity, I went to the desert. I went to a place by myself that I would be schooled. And so his apostleship being questioned because he didn't spend three years with Jesus, Paul is saying, no, 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 no. I did spend three years with Jesus on the backside of a desert, one-on-one. He schooled me there. He taught me there. And as a point of application for us, we will go through desert times in our lives. We will go through dry times in our lives. Recognize that those dry times, from God's perspective, are always preparation for what he has in store for us. Don't think God is wasting those years of desert, those years of wilderness. In the Bible, you see these individuals on the backside of a mountain going through the wilderness who God always raises up and uses in a tremendous way in the scriptures. Moses, David, Paul, and so on and so forth. So, he's letting us know that these, this time wasn't a time with people, but it was a time with God. It was a time that God was doing something deep within this man's soul, deep within the the character and the nature of this man, knowing that this man is a zealous man, that whatever he does, he's going to do it passionately. He's like, I need somebody to be able to preach to the Gentiles, and this whole thing, I'm going to turn it upside down, I'm going to turn it on its head, who can I use? Where's the individual that I can use? Ha, Paul. Paul, Saul of Tarsus is the guy that I can use, but it's going to take a little bit. It's going to take a little time of refining and getting him moving in the right direction. I like that last part. He says, um, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Notice verse 18. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter. Remained with him 15 days, but I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you, indeed, before God, I do not lie. Afterward, I went into the region of Syria and Cilicia, and I was known, unknown by face to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ, but they were hearing only, he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God in me. And so again, he's letting us know, I met with Peter, chapter 2 is an interesting chapter because we'll get into that next time, but Paul has to go and confront Peter to his face. I find it interesting that Catholicism teaches that Peter was the first pope and there's something called papal infallibility, meaning that popes don't make mistakes and yet Peter had to be confronted over and over for the mistakes that he made and it's a horrendous thing that when we begin to elevate any man above what that man is, that man is flawed, that man is sinful to the core, we are naughty by nature, if you will, and so we need to recognize that we are saved by grace. And who else but Paul, somebody with this level of boldness to be able to confront Peter to his face. What was he doing? He was, he was a hypocrite. When the Jews weren't present, he would eat with the Gentiles. And so he's slopping down bacon double cheeseburgers and eating some ham sandwiches. And he's just having just the time of his life. And then the Jews would come and then he would put on a Jewish hat. And now he's Mr. Kosher Guy and he's separating himself from the Jews, and Paul is saying, you're a hypocrite. That's whack. If we couldn't be saved by the law, why are you trying to make them be saved by the law? And so as we see, and as we go through the book of Galatians, there's just some interesting dynamics that are taking place. Now, whatever happened to Paul on the backside of that wilderness, it was used for God's glory. And that, to me... Is a good determination of your life and you coming in contact with the living God, is God being glorified through your life? Is there anyone who is saying, as it says in this last verse, verse 24, and they glorified God in me. This is what God wants out of our lives, that he would be glorified through our lives and the things that take place In our lives. Let me read you Matthew chapter 5 starting at verse 13. The Bible says you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a lampstand and give it light, and it gives light to all who are in the house, let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Whatever happened to Paul as he met with Jesus, the result would be that his lifestyle would bring glory to God. His light would so shine that they would see his good works and glorify his Father. In heaven. Nothing different for you and I in our life and what God is trying to produce in and through our lives. That individuals that we come in contact with, individuals that come within our sphere of influence, they come into that sphere of influence, that they would see our light shining and as a result give glory to God. In Psalm chapter uh, 119, verse 89, the Bible says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Do you hold fast to the word of God? Are you convinced that the Bible is the word of God? Has God spoken a word to you personally and privately? I hope the affirmative is the answer to all of those questions. If God has spoken a word to you, you hold on to that promise. You hold on to that because that word will come to pass. God is faithful to his word. Again, Psalm 119.89, forever your word is settled in heaven. In 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13, the Bible says, Watch, stand fast in the faith, be strong, I'm sorry, be brave, be strong. The Lord is calling us to stand fast to what we know. Stand fast to the things that we have learned. To move forward in the things of God, but to make sure that we are at a place where we understand, yes, it's settled in my heart. Jesus died for me. Jesus died for my sins. I'm going to hold on to that. I'm going to stand fast in the faith. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. God is faithful. God is going to see each one of us through. The Bible says in Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. God's not done with you. God has a work that he wants to do in you and then through you, and God is on time doing that very work. That's exactly what he does. I'll close with this quote from John Wesley. John Wesley writes, Catch on fire and others will love to come watch you burn. And that's what God is calling us to. He wants to see us burn, burn with passion for the things of God. And as we do that, we catch on fire. God doesn't want us warm. He doesn't want us cold. He wants us hot for the things of God. And we do that as we get a word from God. And again, that last verse in that chapter says, and they glorified God in me. He wants to be glorified through your life. Will you let him? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for the example that Paul leaves for us in the word. Lord, the example of one who heard from you and was going to go to the death, believing that you had called him to a specific thing, and he would not stop, Lord, until he was done. And so, Lord, I pray through that example of passion for you, of being on fire for you, of being bold for the things of God, Lord, that we would desire those very same things, that we wouldn't be distracted, Lord, that we wouldn't be cold, or callous to the things of God, but Lord, that we would burn, that we would burn passionately for God and the things of God. And so help us, Lord, ignite us, and may we just look to you all the days of our life, growing, growing, and the grace and knowledge of your word, continuing to learn just the wonderful things that you have in store for us as we walk by faith and not by sight. In Jesus' name, amen.